0: Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97-5 and twelve eighty. the zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it. They win again. And they win again comfortably. They beat the Philadelphia 76ers 118-96. to They had a little lead at the half. They extended in the third quarter. And by the middle of the fourth quarter, once again, the game was pretty much over. It was textbook. Go out there. Figure out what they're trying to do, how their rotations are going to be, how they're going to match up with you, see what wrinkles they've thrown in, and still lead at the half. And then at halftime, man, if there were any questions, figure out whatever has to be figured out and go out and take them apart. And that's what the Jazz did. They win 118-96, another remarkably comfortable win. If you want to say, well, they won because, well, there's there's a lot of stuff to look at. I mean, they won because they dominated the backboards 52-34. to They won because they outshot them 47-43%. to They won because they shot the three better 37% to 18%. The Jazz won because they had eight guys in double figures. I mean, you can just go down the line. Just one stat after another. And if you don't even look at the numbers, they just passed the eyeball test. First quarter, Philly scored and scored pretty easily. And then suddenly, Philly's putting up 22-point quarters, and they're getting played right off the court. So the Jazz win again. That's six in a row. They were back-to-back. They were on the road. They were playing in different time zones. They had to fly from Minnesota to Philadelphia, and none of that mattered. I guess you can say they didn't dominate as thoroughly as they did in Minnesota, but I would tell you well Minnesota isn't as good a team as Philadelphia. So, 11896, I mean you just you just keep winning road games by 20 and 30 points, uh, there's not much to complain about. So, I think the question now for the Jazz is, they've gotten into a zone, they've gotten real comfortable. Uh, they're they're playing well at both ends of the court. They're minimizing their turnovers. They're not getting hammered on the offensive backboards. And I really think teams have to do that to beat them. I don't think a lot of teams can just come down and match the Jazz possession for possession. So they need second chances or they they need to beat Rudy Gobert down the floor. They need to score in transition because they don't want to deal with Rudy in the half court. Or if they have to deal with Rudy in the half court, they need second chances because he's going to impact the first one, maybe he'll alter the shot or whatever. and You got to go get the rebound and get something easier and put it in. If you're not if you're not getting to the free throw line, if you're not scoring in transition, if you're not scoring second chance points, oh, it's beating the Jazz go way down. So now the question is, you get in the zone, how long can you stay in it? Teams playing really well. There's a lot of attention to detail, but CBA, the there're a lot of games that come fast and furious. You get tired, you get sick, you get distracted. You start thinking, hey, you know, I can go 80 or 90%. I have to go 100% to do this. You lose your edge and the streak snaps. It's an old story. Lots of teams have been through it. It's happened with lots of players, generations of players, and it'll happen again in the future. And the key is how long can you keep yourself from slipping into that? I mean, you got to give it to the Warriors and to the Suns, because they've come out of the gate great, and they have played great ball, and they have not slid into that. So now the Jazz are going to need to do it for a while and wait for these other teams to hit a tough spot in their schedule or to be shorthanded or to lose their edge and play a few bad games, whatever the story may be, so they can catch them. I don't think it's so much about home court. I think it's more about matchups, and whoever is first will have to play a very hard series to get out of the West. But if you're second or third, you'll have to play two very hard series to get out of the West and assuming that the final isn't a walkover man if you're second and third you are looking at three very difficult series you are looking at possibly playing three of the f- best four teams in the NBA and that would be six grueling weeks so you can get to first and give yourself an easier path seems like that would be the smart move that's still two difficult series and still a month of hard basketball there's no easy way to make uh, to get to an NBA title but why make it harder on yourself so that'll be the race, and we've got about two thirds of the season still to go, so we'll see how these teams uh, we'll see how these teams handle it. Jazz get the win. they're off tonight because you don't play three games in a row in the NBA, but they will play three games in four days. They will play Saturday in Washington, and then they'll come home and get a little bit of downtime. so We'll see how they do Saturday against the Wizards, but the Jazz roll one eighteen to ninety six, and the big guys get it done. Rudy Gobert had seventeen points and twenty one boards, and Hassan Whiteside had fourteen and ten. And I would say one other thing that caught my eye in this game: Mike Conley played back to back, only twenty four minutes in Minnesota, and then twenty five against Philly, and he was one of the eight guys in double figures. Royce O'Neal was the only regular rotation guy who didn't get the double figures, and you know his job is to defend the other team's best score, and he still had seven points on five shots, so Jazz have it going right now. Uh, the NFL football game, Minnesota gets the win. They beat Pittsburgh. The Steelers are back to 500 Six wins, six losses and that tie with Detroit. Minnesota six and seven, which in the NFC puts you right on the edge, right on the edge of the playoffs. Both these teams are on the edge of the playoffs, looking out um, on the outside, looking in, but they're right there at the edge. Uh, Minnesota was up twenty three nothing at halftime, twenty nine nothing in the third quarter, and they nearly blew it. The game ended with them up by eight, but Pittsburgh throwing the ball into the end zone, looking for a touchdown and a two to tie it up. They would gotten a touchdown and a two. They'd been down sixteen, and they. Got a touchdown of two with about four minutes ago. Got the ball back. Got close, but couldn't get it in the end zone. Still wouldn't needed it to just to get to overtime. Heck of a comeback from 29-0 to lose 36-28. But the Steelers, man, the days of the Steel Curtain are long gone. They cannot stop the run. They are one of the worst teams in the NFL against the run. And they gave up uh, 205 yards to Dalvin Cook, who also scored twice. I think he had 130 yards rushing at halftime, something like that. You just, you just run the ball on the Steelers. Man, that was just... Way too easy. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we had Chris Hill in the studio for an hour yesterday, Utah Athletic Director. Um, Basically, talked to him about the long climb. He gets hired in 1987 as Athletic Director, and now 34 years later, they've gone from the middle or the bottom of the whack to the Mountain West to the Pac-12 to the Rose Bowl. It's been a heck of a climb. A new football stadium, a new football facility, a second new football facility. Uh, there have been a lot of pieces to the puzzle. Three great coaching hires. Uh, so we talked to him for a long time. You can hear the wherever you get podcasts, you can listen to the whole thing. It was uh, you know, do the four-hour show. So it was from the middle of the third hour to the middle of the fourth hour. He was on from 8.30 to 9 30. Uh, we are going to play one of those segments coming up next. Chris Hill, stay with us, DJ and PK. Then we'll get to the best of the post-game show. Right here on 975, 1280 the zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Prepping for the holidays, Zero Res can help you clean up before and after the festivities. Keep your carpets clean well into 2022. Give Zero Res a jingle by calling 801-288-9376 or booking online at zeroresaltlake.com or if you're up north at zurezdavisweber.com. All right, we've been talking with uh, Chris Hill, memory lane stuff as the youths build uh, over the course of thirty or thirty-five years from the uh, middle or bottom of the whack to the Rose Bowl, and so uh, I guess your your plans
1: for the Rose Bowl here? Oh, you kidding me? I get to this is going to be my favorite bowl. The rest of the bowls, I had to uh, had to work and worry yeah. and all that stuff. Now I just get I got twenty-four tickets. We bought. Uh, you know, my brother's coming from New Jersey for like a twenty-four hour visit, and you know, I just—it's just, just going to be fun. I'm just going to have pure fun. Root for the Utes. You know, they fumble. like and bitch a little bit and do this and do that. <laughs> and, and, uh, but I, it, it feels so good to be, have been a part of it. You know, I mean, it's not me. It's all the way along the line. We we're talking earlier. Everybody in the staff bought in to mm-hmm. the steps we were going to make. We had to look each other eye and say, "All right, we're going to beat BYU at least two or three times out of five years." You know, And that today, now said, oh, is that your goal? I said, no, at that point in time, that was a realistic thing. Mm-hmm. If we Realistic to put that as a goal, you know. And, well, you know, BYU helped us a lot because of their facilities and the passion for our people trying to. And then we got into Pac-12, and then it became nuts. For sure. You know, it went crazy. It was great crazy. I agree,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look forward to being down there in Pasadena. To me, you know, I, I used to work in the L.A. market, so I have experience with the Rose Bowl. But, and I've said this for years, for, for you fans, if you can afford it, because I don't discount the oh, cost. Oh, it's
1: expensive. It's right. Like, oh. and, and,
2: yeah. So, I don't, I don't make light of that, because I didn't grow up with much money. I'm doing fine now. But back then, uh, certainly not as a kid. So, uh, the overwhelming amount of pride you're going to have for university, mm-hmm. when you see that team run out of that tunnel, yeah. it's going to be... Uh, I was there. I saw your eyes when you watched 50,000 people pour into Sun Devil Stadium. I was yeah. looking right at you, yeah. Yeah. you and Liz Abel, and you, both of you were beaming, mm-hmm. as you should have been, because it was an incredible sight, and uh, Sun Devil Stadium is right next to heaven, I think. It's so high up, so you've got that. You can see people you know, feeding know, well, the Well, once a year, there's a good game there, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> ah, nice. Bingo. <Singles>. Nice. <laughs> I'll let you have that. Um, but I think this is going to um. supersede anything. And the amount of pride that this university is going to have when that team runs out there in the Rose Bowl with what I call the San Gabes in the background. And God's a Rose Bowl fan because it's always 65, 70 degrees oh, that day.
1: I think people move from the East Coast to the West Coast because of the Rose Bowl. You turn it on,
0: you'd be freezing. <laughs> Tell yeah. him the story, dude. Yeah, he's <laughs> 10 years old, and he looks at it, and he's like, it's the middle of the afternoon. The sun is right. out at 70 degrees. They take a shot. Everybody's in shirt sleeves. Yeah. Everybody's smiling. I can't go out because if I shoot basketball. growing they're drunk, County, New Jersey. Yeah, He shoots <laughs> baskets in the driveway. The ball's wet. His fingers are icy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just it's like, that's heaven. What am I doing here? Later in life, I'm getting there. I'm 10 I'm years old, there. Chris.
2: And I literally had that thought in Persephone, yeah. New Jersey, thinking, there's a place like that in our country yeah. that I can go to. I'm going. Yeah.
1: Well, it, you know, you weren't the Long Ranger. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, one of those things where one of the guys, when we went to the championship... The Final Four, uh, you, you, tradition has it that you'll call a couple ads before there and said, "Hey, what what'd you do? What were the big things?" They said, "Make sure you do one thing: go on that court, take a breath, and look around." Cause it's pretty cool, and, and I can't wait to go to Rose Bowl mm-hmm. and just sit there and watch the team come out and say, "This is us." You got to I mean,
2: feel a sense of pride because you played a significant factor in this.
1: You're not there now, yeah. but you're still there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm st- now. I think I'm the grandfather of the group. Sure, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it feels good. But it's. You know, I hope you guys don't take it as me patting myself on the back. It's just, you know, so much everybody and so much. But it was fun. I mean, there were a lot of risks along the way. But at the same time, we had really good people, good coaches all the time. And good
2: support from everybody. And that coaching thing going forward, Kyle's not going to be there forever. And the goal is to have a program that is competing each year. And you look at—I think I totaled it up—since the Utes have been in the Pac-12, just the South Division, counting Lincoln Riley's had 21 coaches, and Utah's had one. So 21 to one. And but there's going to be a time here at some point in the future, whether it's near or the next whatever years, when Kyle Whittingham steps aside. I I think that if the program's in a good spot, which I anticipated being, that you need a Utah guy in there. Because Kyle, when he took that job, and I talked to him that night mm-hmm. of that uh, BYU-Utah yeah. thing. I was on the phone with him yeah. and going back and forth. And, and I actually said, man, I think you, you're you a Utah guy. And uh, he ended up obviously doing what he did. Uh, I think they should go in that same direction so you're not getting in a situation of what Oregon's in. Oregon's a premier national
0: program. But what would you say, DJ? Four, Four coaches co- in 10 years, five coaches in 15. Mm-hmm. Bilotti had a 14-year run. But since then... Wow, three coaches have done four
1: years. Helfrich got fired. The other two took off after their. Fall. Yeah. So, so what's your do. thought on that? Well, you know, um, <laughs> this is going to sound. So, whoever you hire, are they really good. Yeah, that's a question. That's the leader. That's priority number and, one and for think, sure. Yeah. And I think, and I'm I'm not saying it's any other way. If somebody from within is the best, go do that uh, and do it quickly. Uh, But if you still think there's things out there, you you need the best coach. I always felt that, um, you know, I told you where I'm from, and, you know, I'm the antithesis of Salt Lake City. But it didn't take me long to integrate myself there. And I wasn't a Utah guy by even close. I didn't know whether Colorado or Utah, which one was further east and (laughs) west and all that stuff when I came out here. So uh, I'm kind of... You know, I know a lot of guys in the staff, and you know who we're talking about. I don't want them to feel like, I don't think that should happen, but just make sure that you feel this is the best coach.
2: Right, but I, I and make think them
1: stay. Do what you can to make them stay.
2: See, I think that necessi- not necessarily the best coach is the best coach for Utah. Right. Does that oh, make yeah. sense?
1: Oh, yeah. It makes total sense. We have a formula for recruiting. So, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, so I'm kind of... Uh, playing both sides of the fence, which I think you do with coaching, because you don't know who the people are. And I, having been in the business so long, I'm always so sensitive about people's names and stuff being thrown out there, because it can ruin people's career. The formula yeah. for recruiting, I think, is yeah. really important. That's so important. And, and we haven't gone into stuff that's gone wrong
0: in the last 30 years. We're staying very positive oh, okay. here today. Oh, yeah. there was just me? But the, but the stuff that went wrong with, ba- with <laughs> basketball, Okay, but with basketball, Rick had a formula, and I don't think anybody's really
1: tried to recreate that formula. And he had a a really specific formula, and it worked. Well, uh, you know, he was a savant. People oh ask yeah. who was better, Whittingham or uh, Urban or Majerus, and I don't know the answer to that to this day. Majerus. What was more fun working with, that's an easy <laughs> question to answer. Majerus's problem is he was too smart. I tell you what, and you say his formula. I, I don't know his formula. He, had, he could go over, I know this is about football, so we'll be real quick. He could go over every single play in the game. But as Every it was a play. projector. Every, if it, he, yes.
2: He had yes. a projector. I would sit there in the press room. In my early days, I would try to question him it. But then he'd be on like, I'd miss like the next seven plays because I'm trying to recall one. And it was like he was looking at a film of the game and the rest of us were looking at the wall. Yeah. His mind was yeah. Just yeah. This the
1: applies to all sports. And I, I've told everybody this. Define everybody's role. He was ruthless with that. What do you mean I'm not a three-point? Well, he made Drew Hansen feel like when he set a screen for Keith Van Horn that he was a better player than Keith. You know, and a lot of coaches. Don't really do that as much because that makes for good team play. You're not sitting there saying, "Well, if I go to a game off the bench and I go three for three, 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 I'm going to now be the star." No, not with Rick. No, no not no. with Rick. And so that's the same thing football. I think. I think Kyle's been a good job at taking people from the offense, put them on defense, or vice, and they know their role. And then there's camaraderie. There's not. And so. I don't know if you can do that again now in certain places. You know, we were talking off the air. What, what do you mean? I'm not going to play if I don't play defense? You got to be kidding me! They call their AAU coach and say, "Well, let's get in a portal if they're going to make defense." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to be kidding, it's Allen Iverson? You're talking defense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think it's hard. I don't know. Rick couldn't have survived in these days. I don't think because, you know. So yeah, I had for another, a lot of reasons. <laughs> I had another member of the media tell me that for a lot,
0: not for every coach. But for a lot of coaches, both football and basketball, that the combination of the transfer portal and the NIL, they're just going to be like, no. What do you mean? They're
1: not going to want coach? I'm, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. I think people that have made their mark, made their money, right. they're going to say, you know, this is crazy. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think the portal's more... Um, uh, Uprooting things and actually the NIL, I really do. The portal's more disruptive. Mm -hmm. I think so because the NIL. I mean, you're going to get guys that can make a lot of money in this and that, but and they say people are going to cheat, but you know, now it's just out in the open. You know, it's nice. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, (laughs) no question. And
2: we all know stories of cheating. Uh, Looking from the Pac-12 perspective of the football playoff, what do you think will
1: benefit the Pac-12 the most with any type of change to the playoff format? Uh, the, at league championships. League champions have to Automa- Automatic. That's it. Whatever formula they come up with, that's what the Pac-12 needs. And so, how many of that? Five? Uh, five right now, yeah. So It could grow. I've heard two plans. One is 12-team playoff,
0: The and the original plan was the six highest-ranked league champs, and then the next six teams, regardless of I'm, whether I'm they're champs or not. That. But now it's 12, the Power Five, 1G5, and the next six. I think there's only one season where there's an example of two G5s getting in front of a Power 5 and squeezing out. And that's last year when Oregon, off of five or six game schedule, as a second place team in division, Washington can't go and then Oregon wins the game. So it seems like there's very little risk to the Power 5s, and yet they're unwilling to take it. Is it really good for college football to have a Power 5 and a G5? Wouldn't it just be better just... I mean, it's realistically because of money that's how well, it's gonna be most uh, of the time anyway is, yeah
1: the the pro, the problem is that basketball's regular season means nothing now, and so uh football, if you winning the league championship doesn't mean something in November mm-hmm. you know you know there's all the other bowl games you go to, but you know I feel I don't think they're motivating factors to go to some you know weed eater something bowl yeah, yeah. and uh but it could diminish the regular season if you don't have the hope of winning your league championship. Means you go to the biggest of bigs. Mm-hmm. I think it can and, enhance the regular
2: season because then you can have you don't need to worry about going three and zero. So you
1: could potentially, I mean, I know for confidence play sake, play tougher issue. teams. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. So the non-confidence games exactly can do. be a lot more fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right now I, I think they're doing a good job of playing tougher teams right now. Because you know they're playing a couple of non-conferences, but it's a sensitive thing. But if your league champion can be guaranteed to go to one to the playoff, you play anybody you want. I agree. Anybody got to go
2: that they got to go
0: that. Is uh, is Utah at a point now? You were talking earlier about how Chris Hill joined us, former Utah athletic director, that when you went into the Pac-12, you wanted three games where. In a bad year, you're two and one, but mm-hmm. in most years, you're three and zero.
1: Right, that's exactly, and that's we how said you set it up
0: three. for a decade. Mm-hmm. But now there's a home and home with Florida, yeah. And BYU is on the verge of being a Big Twelve opponent here. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, by the time they come mm-hmm. back on the schedule, they will be. And there's been talk of this alliance. So I don't know if they're going to keep an SEC game with Arkansas or if that's going to end up evaporating. Mm-hmm. And they're going to play a Big Ten or ACC opponent. Is the program at a place where that's okay and manageable? That everyone's going to be playing. Ten,
1: quote unquote, power five opponents. Yeah, as as long as you have a chance to win your league and go, but if you don't, if you're if you're a Pac twelve school and you lose a non conference game, I think oh, Oregon did that a year ago. Or a couple years, two ago. years ago, yeah, and, and you, you know, or is anybody going to go through nine league games undefeated? No one has. So yet. then you got yeah. a two-loss Pac-12 team going against a two-loss SEC team. You're never going to win that, you know. So the the reality is, oh you yeah, you're win talking that, about that. That from the committee standpoint, yeah. I, I skipped two paragraphs on that. Yeah, one. I, I know what you mean. Okay, thank you. And so, uh, you know, now it's if they can do that, you can play anybody. And, right. and you know, mentioned I'm. This sounds really strange. I am really glad BYU is in the Big 12. Really, because it makes it. Just better, you know, for us. With uh, there's no brainer now scheduling because they're in the same deal, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know that that's really good. They're they're going to have their league schedule when they have it. They're going to open, you know. So uh, although I know they missed somebody the year they play Florida, but being in a Big Twelve, uh, I'm biased because I love the Pac-12 and the cities we play and all that stuff. And I don't want to go to Lubbock and all those I places. But I I think that really helps. The whole uh, anxiety in the state sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's a. If you have to cut off anything, you might want to do that because I <laughs> somehow I'm oh, just that makes sense. I'm 0 for twenty when I talk about another school. No, it's <laughs> not I'm just I'm I'm in
0: last place. The thing we've learned talking about Utah and BYU is that if you say something about positive about one school. You're gonna get blasted by the other fan base, and if you say something negative about a school, then you're gonna get blasted by that fan base. Right. So if you talk about the Jazz, possibly, possibly, you can say something that'll make you positive, make it, make the audience feel positively about you. Right. But yeah. if you're talking about Utah, and BYU, <laughs> somebody's gonna, he didn't say anything that wasn't some, right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But yeah. you know, oh
1: yeah, and somebody's gonna say, "What are you doing? We had it right yeah, where yeah, we yeah. wanted it, Chris." Happy. Yes. You know. So yes, exactly. So it's kind of one where I, I decided that I have a I have a learning disability you're talking. No, about the I look, if you're going to play
2: them, and then if you should happen to lose to them, well, it's, it's not a, that big of a deal, right?
1: Big they're one. on the same level, yeah. and, and, and if, if you beat him, them, it's a bigger deal because they're on the same level. Yeah, but that makes people angry when you say which level somebody's at. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if all of a sudden you're playing, so well, it's at a lower level. Oh my God, the phone goes off the hook. You know, yeah, yeah, I know, but yeah. you got to look at it realistically. There's got to be some truth involved. Yeah, but anyway, but it's you know, it's a you know, been a interesting, interesting ride, that's for sure. And you know, I'm pleased that when you leave someplace, you want it to be better. And keep going. You did. And, and that's really, you know, I think that's the mark of what you can feel good about. And I'm talking about all the people I work with. You know, you mentioned Liz and, you know, the Marsden's. their all adds up to, like, you know, but, and, and maybe success.
0: maybe a step further, because doing live shots for TV and doing post-game shows when I was doing radio at UC Santa Barbara, you see how many people break an arena down after a game? Like, the number of people that it takes to do this day in and day out. And the people who aren't front-facing... But they still got to be good. I mean, you yeah. walk into some place and an arena or a stadium isn't set up right and there's a problem. Oh, yeah. It makes the school look small-time like they don't know what they're doing. So yeah. your, did a great your job name and face
1: is out there. We did a great and job coaches. at that. We, yeah. we, I can say that because I, no, I sat across from the bench in basketball because if, fa- if, the, if the scoreboard went out, I was the last guy to know what to do. And, <laughs> but we, I had so much confidence. So I just said, hey, just do a great job and, and we'll move on. So, uh, it, it, we had to do, all, and that's. Part of the thing we did when we were uh, growing up to get in that league is that we decided, you know, I got on a lot of committees, got to know people. And we said every time a school comes in here, we want them to leave saying, man, that's just good at game management as I've ever seen. Sure. You know? Yeah. And uh you can do that with, and the things we could do didn't take as much money as people think. Right. You know, and uh so there's so many things that add up. It's it's just been a blast. I was thinking of something else but I can't remember it right now. So and I'm allowed to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> i do not have to worry about what I'm selling yeah. or what I'm doing or what happens, you know. I you know. Uh, All right, well have fun on the trip
0: to Pasadena. You got extended family and friends, so and yeah. uh and
1: you got a you got a guy on the job now, Mark Harlan, who's got to go all the meetings, and uh, you can just put on a shirt and go to, and go to a dance and a gala while everybody's out having a good time. Yep, so you can go you to know, the beach. But I, I I want to thank you guys for wanting to do this. Uh, it was enjoyable for me, and uh, all the way along the way, I want to thank all the people I work with, all the coaches, all that stuff, all the fans. Uh, you know, because that it was all the deal. Everybody, the bandwagon was small, and the bandwagon kept growing. And, and you can't grow, you can't get on the bandwagon yourself and make it grow. Right. One more thing before I let you go. Sure.
0: PK and I talk about this, and then people tell we're nuts. I know, Yach, sorry. I'll just apologize in advance. We're going way late here. Um, but we talk about other pro teams coming to town. People would be very excited <laughs> to get Major League Baseball here. Mm-hmm. Recently, there was talk about the NFL. I don't think it'll ever happen, because I don't think anybody wants to pay mm-hmm. for the stadium. But right. whatever, if it did, whatever. How big an impact would that have on not just Utah, but all the college programs? Because I look at the Pac-12, you know, Denver and Phoenix and L.A. and the San Francisco Bay Area all have all four of the major sports. Some of them have multiple teams. Seattle has three of the four major sports. Would another pro team have a negative impact just because there's only so many people, there's so many season ticket holders, there's so much money? It's part of the magic of this place that it's bigger than Tucson, it's bigger than Pullman,
1: it doesn't have all the pro teams. Is that part of the magic of Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that's part of the magic. And you go up to Youth game you say, I'll never forget, Lavelle Edwards said to me once, he said, I said, what was, what was your career? What would you feel most about He says, I made Saturdays important in Provo. Yeah. And Saturdays are important in Utah right now. And mm-hmm. everybody had a part of it. So I've I, saying this a hundred times, but I don't want this to be about me. I was involved a lot and all that stuff, but it was a... Uh, so many people along the way. And I don't say that to be corny or anything. That's just the way it is. I can think of so many times where people lifted me up off the deck and said, Chris, you can't do that. <laughs> you, you better not yeah. do that or you'll get killed. So yeah. anyway, but it takes thanks a, to everybody. You know, it you takes
0: guys. a lot of people to pull the rope and, and, and drag everything to the top of the hill. Yeah, it takes a lot of people yeah. pulling on the rope. Absolutely. Chris, we appreciate your time. Oh, Thanks no. for coming in. Enjoy. There is Chris Hill. You can hear all three segments with Chris. There's one of them, but you can hear all three of them wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Uh, it's all there. Uh, he was in yesterday's show. When we come back, the best of the postgame show as the Jazz blow out the Sixers in Philly. That's next. Stay with us. The Utah Jazz dominate the 76ers in Philly and win one
3: Let's get to the best of the post game show. Your Jazz Recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz remain red hot. They win their sixth consecutive game. They beat the Philadelphia 76ers 118 to 96. Eight Jazz players were in double figures last night. That's right. Eight led by Donovan Mitchell on 22 points and six assists. Rudy Gobert 17 points 21 rebounds two block shots. Another monster effort from Rudy. Donovan had 14. Mike Conley with 10. Rudy Gay with 10 coming in off the bench. Hassan Whiteside with a double-double 14 points, 10 boards. He had two block shots. Jordan Clarkson with 11. Joe Ingles with 11 to go along with 7 assists. Another very nice game from uh, Joe Ingles. He played well uh, against Minnesota as well. So let's get you some post game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz Head Coach Quinn Snyder. Uh,
4: Rudy and
5: Hassan had great nights especially on boards. What were they so well, I think a big part of the game for us was, you know, not fouling and just trusting each other. And, you know, they they did an excellent job, you know, staying between well in the basket. And, you know, he was, you know, he made some shots that first quarter that he's just not going to be able to defend against. Um, but I thought, to be honest with you, I know, you know, those two guys you know, we can point at and and talk about, but I I felt like it was the rest of our group defensively that really um, I was impressed with just the communication, you know, guys digging in, making plays, having pride. And this game is kind of inverted from um, some of the games we've, uh, we've had before where you know, our bigs are really protecting the room in, in this game. You know, Mike and Don and Royce and Boyan, Joe, Jordan, Rudy Gay. You know, all those guys did their job and they protected our, our bigs. Well, how did you feel about the, the energy that you guys had? On the back to back, guys look like some good, good I think, you know, I think they, you know, you go through, you know, the, the ebb and flow of the season and uh, sometimes you just, you decide not to be tired. And I think when you're playing the right way, that, that makes it easier, you know, to have, I don't know, we had eight guys in double figures. Um, you know, everybody's involved, the ball's moving. Certain guys obviously are, you know, our playmakers and you see that, but you know, that again, points point to the defense as something, if we can defend, you know, that, that makes us, you know, a much better team in transition because we can get out and, Take advantage of some of the skill that we have. You have been you bench
4: especially for players in the whole defense as well offensively and back to back how is there for this team.
5: It's important, especially, you know, Hassan when Rudy got in foul trouble early, I thought, you know, when he came in really stabilized. Um, you know, and uh Rudy Gay Also, I thought on the defensive end, just his size on the glass. Um, And then, you know, Joe and JC always play well off each other. Uh, So I I think guys are patient um, and, you know, very focused on making the right play. And that bench group, when they do that, you know, there's a lot of guys that are capable of of making plays. So the fact that we're sharing the ball like that is really good. And I thought, you know, early on the game, Donovan was – you know, they're back and pick and roll and Rudy's getting hits and, you know, he's taking those threes off the dribble. Mike's doing the same thing. And, um, that's what we need to do and then you know be patient that you know, teams have to you know at times adjust to that and then it opens it up for other people but sometimes that patience is is hard to have and um, you know we were patient and we defended at the same time so um, I thought that was true of the bench when they came in they played the same way first time I've seen this team but in terms of you on know, it like this is it one thing
6: several things right now with this team right
5: now with our team yeah. you know I, I I I think the, there's a kind of a preconception that when, you know, Rudy Gay being the the one guy that, you know, in our rotation right now, that wasn't with us last year, I shouldn't say that, Hassan as well. um, And there's this idea that you bring everybody back and you're the same team and that you have continuity and it's not necessarily the case. Um, it takes time to develop that you know you go through a summer and everybody has whatever experiences they have and you come back and I think that was different last year because the bubble kind of carried over it was like one long season and in this case um whatever kind of pre-existing expectations there are internally um it takes time for guys to kind of get to know each other again and and uh you know play together again so i think that's what's happening with this group uh you know there's been some games that you know we didn't play well and you know those are things we've looked at and you know tried to figure out you know what we can do different what we can do better and um, it's a long season. You know, I, I think our goal is as much as anything is to continue to improve. So, you know, we played well tonight. We're not a finished product. You know, don't want to get too high or too low. Um, we just want to keep getting better. We talked a lot
2: before the season about Donovan
4: picking up things on the defense event. Mm-hmm. We talked more about it since the season started, but it looks like he has. What does that look like to you? Like, what is it that you see from
5: him on the defensive that makes you think like this is okay? Now he's has gone up a different level. You, you, there's a couple things tonight that maybe illustrated where um, one he has to take a matchup when Mike goes out of the game. Um, the way that he guarded, you know, a couple you know, plays that they're very, very good at executing. You know, two man game with Curry and a beat and pick and roll. Um, and Donovan just being focused on that end as much as anything and either taking someone out of a play or just executing defensively. And maybe the the thing that I see the most is when it doesn't happen and he does have a breakdown. He's like the first one to acknowledge that, Hey, I got to do better. And that, that shows you, you know, his mentality and, yeah, well, that, that that manifests itself a lot of ways. It's a
6: little off topic, but different you're one of the growing number of teams that have with the COVID outbreak. Um, you're one of the few, one of the teams that haven't. Are you guys doing anything? Yeah, exactly. Um are you guys doing anything to kind of avoid that or is that just forget lucky?
5: Well, you know, I, I think we're doing what the league is asking everyone to do and you know, as we all know, you can be vaccinated. You can be boosted. Um, there's breakthrough situations. Um, you know, ho- hopefully we don't have one. Hopefully when it does happen that, you know, the players, the staff, everybody you know that the symptoms, you know, aren't severe. Um, it's, it's, it's something, you know, we, all of us need to continue to be aware of, you know, whether it's the Delta variant or the Omicron. Or, I mean, it's just, it's a, there's nothing, it's fluid the whole situation. So I don't know that there's anything that we can do about it, except try to, you know, abide by the things that, that we know can, can help. And, and as you said, if, you know, if we happen to be one of the unlucky ones, you know, you deal with that when it comes, but, you know, as far as anything, we, you know, we were on the front line when it first broke out. And, uh, You know, I think our guys do have an awareness of everything, but we're just, you know, to a certain degree, there's only so much you can control. And, you know, our focus has to be on the game and then put your mask on, you know, do what you need to do and um, try to do the best job you can and hope that, you know, the whole league, you know, benefits from that and is safe, but also understanding that, you know, it can happen. You know, what we do internally with the virus and, and our protocols and stuff is, is really, to me, um, I, I, private might not be the right word, but, you know, I think everybody, you know, is doing the things that they can do. There's coach Quinn Snyder. His team
3: wins 118 two ninety six. 96 uh, let's now get to the players. Let's get to Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside who uh, came out for their media availability together.
7: For me personally, I just felt like um I, I was feeling a lot better, you know, as far as coming off like my glute injury. You know, I just felt better coming in and, you know, I just was watching the way ahead of the game was playing out.
6: Oh Rudy, obviously the stuff from Minnesota players same, how much did you hear and how much did that attract today?
4: Uh, I want to say impacting me. You know, it's, it's not the first time uh, that have take shots at me for no reason. Um, you know, I come in every single night to be, to, to have in more and to be the best, really, I can be. And, uh, you know, I never take shots at anyone. <laughs> you know, I receive a lot of shots. I don't take shots at anyone. I just focus on myself. And uh, I think it's just, you know, when you're the you best in the world or something, like, people become insecure in each other discredit um, what you do in some kind of ways. Uh, you know, but it, it's going to happen. It's not, the, it's not the first time. It's not the last time. And, uh, you know, I just you know, keep being rude. keep being myself and uh keep getting better every single night. That's it. That. Is it weird when you hear about something like that happening just because I mean, it, 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 because you win a game by 32 and then it seems to be like it's come out of nowhere. I mean, it's more funny than anything, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, it is just funny, uh, you know. But it, it's part of it. You know, it's once again like it's, you know, we're gonna try to discredit what I do, what we do as a team. Doing uh, the same my whole career, you know. Uh, I'm just gonna keep winning more, with the trophies, and then you know, hopefully get my help my team win uh, something beyond that and you're still going to have something to say. So, you know, it's, it's part of it. It's part of the game and, uh, you know, i uh, uh, stay in my lane. I don't take shots at anyone, and I'm going to keep doing that, you know, and uh, just keep, keep having fun, keep having my cheap basketball. Would you like to take a shot at Quinn for having you jarred the wrong person? <laughs> um yeah you know
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah if
4: you want you let loose right now no, I I'm, uh, I I'm, I'm cool regarding anyone I, I trust the game plan and um uh, when you win by 30 points the game plan is pretty good <laughs> um but yeah you know nights every, every, every night is different you know and uh, um what people need to understand too is that it's uh it's not a we're not playing in the, in the pickup game like it's not a one-on-one game you right? know when, when I'm out there like I'm, I'm not guarding one guy I'm guarding the whole team so it's uh, uh, it's hard to understand for some guys you know they, they, they used to just be able to impact like one guy at a time but um, I'm trying to impact the whole team and, and teams I try to prepare for that every night so we prepare for that as a team and uh, you know I trust the coaching staff uh, you know and uh, I don't know,
6: yeah. it's, it's fun. Hassan, why do you, just as someone who's played against Rudy a lot for a little of years, why do you think so many players, I guess, have this negative connotation towards him and just have to take these shots?
7: Um, I think just because he's not really outspoken like that. You know, um, he just kind of, you know, he's not really saying anything back. You know, um, he took the high rule a lot of times. You know, if even – um. Even now, you know, he's a little different than me. You know, I would have said something back for sure. <laughs> All right. But, but, um, he just taking a high road, and, um, that's what that's what I think it is. You know, it's, it's like the quiet guy in the classroom. You're going to keep talking, trying to talk to and talk to, him, you know. Just it to him. Yeah, yeah. He scored
0: 12 points by
4: yourself
7: in the third quarter tonight. What was, you know, obviously when you had to go on over to got the what was working for you so long in that stretch? Um, you know, uh Joe, it was guys, Joe Don, Mike, you know, them guys getting in a paint, you know, uh they were signing me and you know, the, the the shots I was missing early on, you know, they started going in a little more. You know, once I got kind of more used to the game speed and um I was able to get a couple of offensive rebounds and um get a get a couple extra possessions for us. They talk all the time about being physical, about not wanting to take speed or not.
4: Yeah, you feel like I was kind of an example of that. Just which how dominant people are. Teams are teams are really trying to be physical with us, so I you know it's really important that we, we try to set the tone every night. You, know. you know, I try. We try to remind the guys, the guards, and everyone you know to get to two ways of physicality because you know you see that, that foul, fought. They fought, us really hard. And, you know, of preparation physically, we a team that's gonna stand. It's the mindset that we have, you know. Every night, especially when the when the playoffs come, like teams are gonna try to be uh, fueled over this, so we gotta be ready to match that. Okay? I
7: think I think it's also a benefit that we have. You know, um not too many teams got got guy, two guys that led the league and rebounds. You know, um and and that was, and I was up there. Top five and rebounds multiple years, you know, and uh, I think that's a that's a benefit towards our team and and uh, it really compliments our depth. We talked before about um, a few a few weeks ago, maybe you guys were number
4: one in the league in offensive rating, but several guys still said it doesn't feel quite like that. Being you know, because going and and what are you still like phase on, but now? Because. Uh, six game weeks we to make 23's everything So now where, where are you Uh I think you know, no, no no like being, uh, it's great being the, the number one offense, but I think we, we don't want to really compare ourselves to other teams. We wanna be the best adjust team we can be and and I think the way we play, uh the way we move the ball is is unique. And the number of weapons that we have on on our team is unique. You know, you don't see it on teams that have uh, so many guys that can get 20 on, on a given night. And uh, night, we got eight guys that score more than 10 points. You know, you, you don't see that every night. So it's... You know, for us, it's just... uh you know, keep keep getting better. Uh, move the ball. And when we do that, we know that um uh, way harder to game-plan against, way harder to guard. And, and also, we better defensively because... I'm saying, because it's so a whole other game, and for the playoffs, you want to be want to be
3: that soon. There you go, Rudy Gobert, Hassan Whiteside. Both those guys had double doubles. Rudy with seventeen points and twenty one boards. Hassan fourteen points, ten rebounds. Both players had two block shots, and both had monster nights as uh, Joel Embiid just could not get it going. He had nineteen points. Joel did on eight of eighteen shooting. He also had uh, nine rebounds. Uh, let's get uh, let's get some more sound. Let's now hear from Joe Ingles.
4: Joe, uh, so we talked a lot more of those we started about. Uh, the need for Donovan to sort of ramp up his defensive level this year. And since then, we talked a lot with Quinn and with other guys and Donovan himself that he has sort of raised his defensive level. For you, when you see Donovan and you think about that, what does that look like for him? What does he need to do and what has he been doing?
6: Um, I mean, I think we all had to do that. I think we? We, we, we relied on probably Rudy and Royce to a certain extent as well, but, but obviously Rudy, what he does every night and, Um, if you want to get further than we have in the past in the playoffs, like we can't just rely on Rudy or we can't rely on Royce to take every guard or every wing or Rudy to defend the best big or, or whatever we want to do defensively. So... I think, obviously, that's on, on all of us. Um, like Rudy was just saying, offensively, like we rely on everybody to play the way we play. Um, and the same defensively, we we, we all needed to better dynamic. I mean, obviously, the amount he's out there, he's going to be matched up on different guys. He's going to have to play or defend some really good players at times. Um, and uh, I think he's just taken the challenge of that. Everyone knows what he can do on the other end of the floor, and that's almost what he's known for. Um but I think, I mean, he's got every attribute to be a really good defender. Um, some of it's the concentration, some of it's whatever different things it is that, that can get him locked in. Um, I said the other day about him watching film, like it's, that's, that's a big part of it, knowing, knowing who he's defending and stuff. So, um, like the other end of the floor, he, he's got better and better every year. Um, but I think, yeah, just taking the ownership and, um, kind of committing to it really, like, like we all have to and, and should be doing. <laughs> should be we saw a huge
4: nice out book uh the song tonight. Yeah. Quinn um, mentioned you know, beyond what those guys
7: did, it's the fact that, you know, there is Donovan um, on the perimeter, there is you, there is Mike. How much was kind of the balance between, you know, what those guys are doing on the interior and what you guys are doing?
6: Yeah, I mean, I again, kind of like Rudy said, we, we rely on each other so much. Obviously, the way we play, um, we move the ball, we, we try and play. So we, we're not relying on one guy to ISO or watching one guy try and score forty. And if we don't, we're not going to win the game. We we had eight guys in double figures tonight. Um, obviously, there's going to be nights that Donovan or, or Mike or Boyan will have big nights. But um, I think obviously offensively what they did, but but also defensively on on Embiid and knowing what what impact he makes on, on that team and, and the, the ISOs, what he does with um, getting everybody else shots, but also getting his numbers and, and stuff. And I think those two guys did a an unbelievable job on that end and then obviously to run him and run the other way and, and set the screens. So and obviously Embiid and Drummond were back a lot of the time. I think Embiid blitzed one time for the night. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, I'm gonna answer as many questions as I want and take as many times. <laughs> um, yeah, they were great. <laughs> <laughs> Why okay, so don't we think opposing players don't so players have yeah. that like respect for reviews. that
5: you guys. Have more.
6: Um, I don't know. I I talked about it with JJ obviously the other night or the other day. Um I I mean I don't understand like it's even for Edwards to say that Porzingis is more intimidated in the ring is hilarious um, they obviously don't watch enough basketball um, maybe Porzingis blocked him one time or something oh, I don't know It's I can't remember the word JJ used but it was an amazing word befuddling bef, bef, something like that it was amazing um, yeah I don't know it, it's bizarre to me um, obviously we um, know what he does for us you guys know people that are around us a lot and see us play and understand basketball in like a real, like really understand what it's like. Draymond, Draymond had that interview the other day about defense. Um, same thing. Like if you understand what you're looking for, um, it's clear the impact he makes on that end of the floor. So um, we're not worried about guys worried about how we're matching up or how we're playing defensively. Cause we know what is effective for us to, to, to win games.
3: And there is Joe Ingalls. Joe with seven assists last night to go along with uh, 11 points as he played very well. Jazz win, 118-96 over the Philadelphia 76ers. Next up for the Jazz, they'll be in uh, D.C. coming up tomorrow night to take on the Wizards. That game will tip off at 5. Pre-game coverage will begin at 4. There's the best of
0: the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are next.